Mm -hmm. I didn't let, we had the flu A, COVID twice, colds, strep, ear infections, three kids. We (laughs) come, we, it didn't matter. I probably only missed five days of training. I put my head down. I used a book that my husband used, no coach called 8020 triathlon. And I completed the race in 16 hours and 26 minutes with getting over my fear of the ocean swim. Well, I wouldn't say I got over it. No, I didn't get over it. I just did it. But (laughs) I am a finisher of an Ironman 140.6 and no one can take that away from me. You are listening to the No Gimmicks Just Sweat podcast with your host, Eric Logan. No Gimmicks Just Sweat is dedicated to hearing the journeys and unique stories behind an athlete's training and what drives them. Get inspired to own your life and make the impossible possible. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Also, please take a few seconds to rate the show and drop me a review. Now, let's get started with the show. Hello and welcome to this episode of No Gimmicks, Just Sweat. And today we welcome Tia Smith to the show. Tia, how are you doing? Good, how are you? I am great. And I'm going to say this, Tia is a lovely name and I say that because it's my daughter's name. Oh my gosh! (laughs) That is my daughter's name as well. How wonderful! (laughs) So I I know this this will be an excellent... uh, conversation we have. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. All right. As we start with every show, we kind of start with some, you know, icebreaker questions, some rapid fire questions. So just to give me, you know, an idea, give me as well as the listeners an idea of who you are. Okay. All right. Are, are you ready? Yes, sir. All right. Morning training or evening training? Morning. Cardio or strength? Cardio. Run on a treadmill or run outside? Outside. Open water swim or swim in the pool? Pool swim. Ride inside with or without Zwift? Oh, I barely run in, ride inside, but it would be with Zwift. Okay, okay. All right, your favorite segment in a uh, triathlon, swim, bike, or run? Favorite segment, definitely bike. Okay. What's your favorite um, triathlon distance? (sighs) Officially 140.6 full triathlon. Okay. Okay. All right. First thing you do after a race. Drink anything there. (laughs) Whatever's in front of you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What's your dream race to participate in? Oh, my my dream triathlon race would be for Worlds. Um, probably that's a five-year plan. Okay. And, and we can kind of go into that and we kind of get into your conversation about you, your five-year plan. All right. So if you can go on a run, a ride or train with any celebrity, dead or alive, who would it be? Oh, any celebrity, dead or alive. Yeah. Uh, I would like oh. to. I oh, would like to work out with Pat Tillman. Oh, okay. Pat okay. Tillman, uh, for those who don't know, gave up his fabulous football career in the NFL to go fight in in the in the war so and he was obviously killed in the line of duty so yes. to me nothing's greater than serving god in your country yes yes all right last one dream location anywhere in the world you want to go for a bike ride or a run not necessarily for a race just to enjoy it just just for the scenery the scenery i would love to ride around a an island where you're just on a ride and it circles sand and clear blue water. Okay. That, that yes, yes, it, that's so tranquil and peaceful. So yes. I can agree with that. So I, I, I see you eye to eye for that one. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about your story. 
And as with every episode, I always kind of frame it in the sense of figure yourself as a superhero. You know, you're that superhero, that super athlete. And, you know, yes. you know, you, you are that person, not just to yourself, but to someone else. So what okay. is your or, what is your origin story? How did you get from, you know, the mild mannered, you know, Tia Smith to the, to the superhero Tia Smith? Okay. Well, my story starts with growing up zero to 10 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, playing outside. Uh, I had five male cousins slash neighbors and my brother who, when we grew up, it was not inside. We were told to play in the woods and run around. And I can honestly say that was the start of my love for outdoors and exercise because I look back on it now and we were told to go outside for six hours and we'd be five miles into the trail and the woods with no parents. And we had spent four hours working out and didn't even know it as a child. Mm -hmm. So then I got into sports and I did gymnastics and basketball and um, softball. And then when middle school track came around, I thought I'll try. <clears throat> and I loved middle school track, all the people, I'm a people person. So I loved how many kids are on a track team and you get out of school early. Cause I was never good at school. I loved school because I love people, but academically I always felt like I couldn't focus and I wasn't a test taker and I didn't like to read. And so it's funny how my undiagnosed self of, of ADHD at that time in my life, I realized why I liked sports. I love people and I love the happiest. Well, track came along and that became my thing. I sort of pocketed everything else and I uh, started excelling in, in all the events. Um, I jumped, I hurdled, I threw. Distance was not my thing, but I was really good at hurdles, high jump, sprinting, javelin, shot put. So that was my take in high school. And during high school, um, I was really, really good at track. So I joined USATF. It was a travel program and I made it to States in every year with everything I did. And during that time, um, I was 15 years old. I was very, 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 very close with my father, close with my brother and my mother, but very uh, close with my father, who came to every sporting event since the day I signed up. Uh, he was diagnosed with uh, stage four-ish thyroid cancer. And I didn't really know what that meant, but I knew the response of everyone in our life uh, and my mom and dad that it wasn't good. And then I heard a five-year comment. And um, obviously, you're a child at 15. And um, I turned to sports and friends even more. I never went down a rough patch, but I went down a frustrating path that I kept positive people in my life and my family. So I never went too big into a hole over that. Um, but I use sports and people, which is funny today, February 13th, 2023, sports and people are still my network. But <laughs> going back to that, um, just couldn't believe it happened. Um, but my dad went through treatment. I would go alongside of him. Um, C's and B's in high school, really good at basketball, really good at track, was looking to go to East Carolina and colleges were talking to me from down South. I didn't know a thing about the state of North Carolina other than I thought Myrtle Beach was near it. Um, <laughs> so because if you're from Pittsburgh, everyone vacations down at the Myrtles. Uh, that's where you go to the beach. And um, <clears throat> I was six, 17 years old. Um, with my first boyfriend at 16 and at 17, I had to tell my mom and my dad one week after I told East Carolina University on the phone that I would 
be accepting an offer as a heptathlete at ECU. Uh, at the time, my best friend was also going there for the same reason, for track and field. Um, I had to tell my mom and dad and cousin that I was pregnant. Wow. Okay. This is seven days after uh, I told ECU yes. So it was the summer in between my junior and senior year. Um, my mom and dad and brother grabbed me and loved me. And um, I will tell you, I didn't give that vibe off to anyone that that was something that was going to happen to me. Mm-hmm. Um, that was probably the farthest thing away anyone could guess <laughs> that was in my future, but it became it. Um, and I could talk four hours about that, but long story short, I was embraced with love by my close family and friends, uh, in Pittsburgh. And I obviously, uh, could not work out. I was very nauseous. Uh, the first four months, um, 17 finished high school was engulfed with love from my teachers, my school, um, had Thomas, in March of my senior year, Thomas came out looking like my father who was dying of cancer. So the love of my life, my dad Mm. was leaving this earth. I didn't know how long. And I had a baby at 18 and two months old that looked like my dad's twin. And we named him Thomas, uh, just in honor of my father, who's Thomas. And uh, six weeks after that, I started running and training and back in high school and graduated in, in June and Thomas on my hip for the whole, whole part of it, um, worked, made money, uh, friends, family, church, community, thought my dream of uh, college sports, especially track was over. Stayed in Pittsburgh for a year, and I went to a branch of Penn State University. Um, My mom and dad and brother and close family and friends helped me with Thomas while I had him. Got back into shape. Got A's, B's, and C's my freshman year. And took care of that baby if I was not at college or working at the Italian restaurant in my hometown. My dad and that baby uh, were inseparable. My dad connected to that baby in a way I've never seen a grandpa and a grandson. Um, For about a year, my dad was okay, but then he started declining rapidly. UNC Charlotte, uh, at the time, um, Thomas's dad was on a track scholarship down here at UNC Charlotte. And we were together at the time and we thought my second year, maybe I could do this thing. Talk to the coaches. They said, Tia, we will take you. And we will take you and Thomas, and we know he's going to be around. He's your luggage because we didn't know anyone in the state of North Carolina. So Thomas's dad and myself completed three years at UNC Charlotte together with Thomas by our side. He was ages one, two, three, and a little bit of four. I majored in elementary education. I worked at an Italian restaurant. I did track and field. I did opposite schedules of Thomas's dad so we could do it. And he and I both graduated from UNC Charlotte. I had the highest GPA of my life. Thomas kept me on track. During my senior, my junior and senior year, my mom knew it was an emergency to get my dad to North Carolina to live the last year uh, with us. So my mom and dad and brother moved down. And as he was Um, And we were all on autopilot. Thomas was the joy that kept everyone alive. And um, my dad took his last breath on his birthday, on his 52nd birthday in front of all of us at home. We were all there. And I said, now what? And A week after he died, I put my shoes on and I ran a mile and I almost died. (laughs) I almost physically died. And um, 
I never stopped running after that. And I signed up for a half marathon through friends and uh, we fundraised for the rock and roll Vegas half marathon. And I trained seven days a week to a T. Um, and I ran, I went from not being able to finish a mile after my dad died to running a one hour and 52 minute half marathon um, in December that year. So I graduated college, lost my dad. We regrouped. My mom, brother, and I tried to figure out life in that same six month period. I was no longer with Thomas's dad and I met who I am now married to uh, almost, well, we're going on nine years. Um, his name's Chad. We met at the Whitewater Center where we both work out in Charlotte. Anyone from North Carolina knows the Whitewater Center. And, um, Chad trained for the same race and what saved me was training and running. I ran and I ran and I ran and I was teaching my first year, fifth grade at a, at a CMS school in Charlotte and raising Thomas as a kindergartner in a new relationship with Chad, helping my mom with my dad's loss. Um, all while keeping it together at 23. Mm. And I never felt more accomplished in the people, the people that I met during that half marathon, one being my husband now, but the, the, the females and the males that came into my life in that sport are, some of them are still my life. One is still my best friend. Her name is Jackie. She's probably listening to this and she's probably crying too. Mm. But we stayed, the people that come into your life in this sport are the greatest people I've ever met in my life. And I can get into that later. But mm-hmm. um, Chad and I signed up right after Vegas for the Miami half marathon That was three months later because I needed something to keep me training. And that'll lead into who I am today. So when I was done, I said, I need, I need more. I need that goal of my next race. Help me. I said, Chad, can we please tell me you'll go do another half marathon with me? Because the training plan keeps me focused and whole and alive. That's all I can say is it keeps me alive. Everybody hears me say it, but I don't know if enough people that hear it know that it's the truth. So we trained three months for the Vegas, excuse me, the Miami half marathon. Um, And after that, that was January. I said, Chad, what, what's next? And there's nothing better in the world than going back to Pittsburgh for a full marathon, right? My hometown. Right. So we were already trained up. So I said, let's go to Pittsburgh. And so we trained for a full marathon and during the Pittsburgh marathon, May 2013, excuse me, 2012, May 2012 at mile, I, we were going for a sub four hour pace, Chad and I, and at mile 19, I felt a knife all I can explain is it's I thought I was shot in the leg Mm -hmm. in the knee but there was no sound so I then thought I got stabbed and I looked down and there was nothing and I was screaming it was so weird like it wasn't this wasn't a there was no injury I never had pain Mm -hmm. and I screamed Chad and he came over and we were at mile 19 and I was on the ground and I said something tore or ripped or is stabbing me in my left knee. He and I knew nothing of the injury. We hobbled. We sat there for like 20 minutes. I had, I was in excruciating pain, but when I sat, the pain went away. When I went to walk, it came back like it was happening again. Took my breath away. Three hours later, because we ran so fast, the first 19 miles, I was able to walk the other half or I wouldn't have you know, been able to, 
got my medal. Two weeks later, I found out I had an extreme overuse injury of the IT band that corroded and bound up like a Twizzler. The IT band is supposed to be, yeah, the IT band is supposed to be really soft and clear and and flexible. Mine corroded and rusted like a nail. And he said, yeah, we'll try some shots and some therapy, but that needs removed if you want that, that part, that two inch part, if you, and he tied, he said he was going to remove it, cut it and tie it and grow back together. And I thought, and when I heard six months, felt like the soul was ripped out of my body because I know what the sport meant to me. It was deeper than just getting a medal. Right. But I did it because I knew I needed to. Had surgery at 24. He said I was one of the youngest patients he ever did IT band surgery on. And healed. And when I was cleared six months, he said, now don't go back to how much running you were doing. And I said, well, what the heck? What am I supposed to do? And that is when triathlon came into my life. Okay. Because okay. You, you can swim and bike and exercise and take that pain and pressure off my knee. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and I signed up for my first sprint with Chad. And I was hooked from that moment on, only running one or two days a week instead of running four to six. Okay. And I was like, how can I be in this good a shape and love it this much not running? It's because biking and swimming, something I never did, was just as wonderful as working out, as running. So I signed up for my first 70. And fast forward, I watched my husband do a 140 two years ago. And I thought, I will never be able to do a 140. I can barely finish 70.3s. 0.2-mile swim, a 56-mile bike ride, and a 13.1, which is a half-marathon run. And you have eight and a half hours to do so. Mm -hmm. And I did four 70.3 half Ironman races and did cross the finish line and get a medal around my neck, but I was never considered a finisher because you have to have a certain time to be considered a finisher. All four of my half iron distant triathlon, which is 70.3, if you look up my name at Ironman North Carolina twice and Ironman Virginia Blue Ridge twice, it says Tia Smith, it gives my time, which ranged from 8.35 to 8.50, eight hours and 50 minutes. And it says DNF. Really? So those are four, fa- yes, those are four my eyes. Because they, as long as you come across the finish line, while there are still participants on the course, they will give you a medal. So you earned the medal, if that makes sense. So Ironman has specific oh. rules. That I did not know. That that is new to me. That yeah. So you didn't make the cutoff time. Correct. Technically correct. So when people saw all my pictures and the medal and the finish line, there were still people finishing after me. That doesn't matter. If you want to be considered a finisher with a finish time on the Ironman app for points that you rank that rank you through the year. Each mm-hmm. race based on its course has a cutoff time to be considered a finisher. Right. All four, I was 15 minutes after average, all four. So I, yes, sir. So I'm a DNFer, but I finished the race and the distance, if that makes sense. So I did achieve the 70.3 four times, but I, I am not considered to the Ironman points world a finisher. Well, after my fourth failure, I almost quit. 
And this was just 18 months ago. So it was 33 and a half. It was the last I did a 70.3 in, in uh, Roanoke, Virginia. And I said, I'm done. I'm a, I'm, I am a failure. The app even says it. I'm a did not, I'm not a finisher. But that's not how other people reminded me of that. They, they, everyone thinks I'm doing it, but I didn't. Well, my husband said, T, I've been thinking about it. Me trying a 140. And he has a buddy at the police department, his best friend and brother, who was going to do Ironman Florida 140.6 with him in Panama City in November 2021. Of course, I supported him. I watched him give 30 weeks of training at insane times because he works from noon till 2 a.m. as an officer with random days off. I watched him achieve what I thought was impossible in 13 hours and 55 minutes. Eric and anyone else who's listening the cutoff time for a full Ironman in Florida, 2.4 mile ocean swim, mm-hmm. 112 mile bike ride, and a 26.2 marathon run is 17 hours from the time the last person on the beach starts their swim. So when their timing chip enters the water every 2000 participants in front of he or she has 17 hours to cross that finish line to be considered an Ironman Florida finisher okay, okay. I know it's confusing there's very confusing rules with it mm-hmm. so for example if my husband of the pack in the middle so he actually started 30 minutes ahead of the last swimmer. So he had technically 17 and a half hours to finish. Does that make sense? Cause it's yeah, based it, on when, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, you know, and I saw that. So it sounds like, you know, even with what you were explaining about um, the race that you DNF on, there are very specific rules with that. So is, yes. does it vary from race to race or is it over? So that is an overall finish time, but sometimes they're different if the bike is harder or easier or the run is harder. It's based on altitude, location, and terrain, if that makes sense. But they're all finisher times similar. Okay. 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 So he finished 13 hours, 55 minutes. I never left his side on that course. My whole family was there. Strongest finish I could have ever wanted for him. And when he crossed that finish line, he gave me inspiration. Mm -hmm. I said, I'm doing that next year. I was done with the Ironman series and distance triathlon. And I watched him do it and 2,500 other people. And I said, I'm going to do that. We got home from Florida and within seven days he and I were both signed up for the full Ironman 2022 in Florida I I trained for 325 days I decided to make my Instagram dedicated to my training and people supported me my family my friends the community People I haven't even met on real life, but they saw what I was doing and I was watching them. Mm -hmm. I didn't let, we had the flu A, COVID twice, colds, strep, ear infections, three kids. We (laughs) come, we, it didn't matter. I probably only missed five days of training. I put my head down. I used a book that my husband used, no coach, called 8020 Triathlon. And I, completed the race in 16 hours and 26 minutes with getting over my fear of the ocean swim. Well, I wouldn't say I got over it. No, I didn't get over it. I just did it. 
but <laughs> I am a finisher of an Ironman yes. 140.6, and no one can take that away from me. Exactly. So, first of all, thank you for sharing your story. And and, and the biggest thing to take away from it is that you got your powers. And again, I'm, I'm kind of going into the, the superhero, you know, analogy. You got your people. The yes. people that supported you. Your family that encouraged you. And I think a lot of times, you know, we don't take it for granted. We don't think about that. That, you know, having those people in your corner that are wanting to see you successful and knowing that you being successful is make it that makes you happy that means a lot yes so yes so you just to see how you've had people a very strong support unit behind you you know from a young age to now you know and it's and stronger you know that's amazing to see yes thank you i i have left out okay go ahead ahead. obviously everyone had a huge role supporting me in in my close circle Mm -hmm. but my son at the iron man was something I'll, I'll, I'll never, he's the reason I've driven myself to achieve and never give up because I had him at a young age mm-hmm. and I had to be okay because of him. I had to raise him. I could not give up anxiety, depression. I mean, I fought it all. My story was, was a little bit rough that I shared emotionally for me. It was hard on me. It, it might not mm-hmm. be the hardest story to some, but it is to me. It was hard for me. Right. So he is the reason I've stayed the course. He's almost 17. And uh, him, he, him at the every swim, bike and run. I'll him at the finish line. He put the medal around my neck. I'll never. Yeah. Oh, the cutest thing. He was a volunteer. He, he was kayak oh. support at the Ironman. <laughs> so oh, okay, he, cool. He, he was official Ironman volunteer, and he helped people that needed it on the swim. He was at buoy two, or turn two with the buoys on a kayak in the mm-hmm. middle of the Gulf. I was so worried about him getting swept away <laughs> to who knows what countries down there, two miles into the Gulf of Mexico. I was like, I can't. he had the day of his life. Okay. That's, so, that's, that's, that's cool. Yes. Okay, so let's kind of go into training before we kind of get into because I know you said something about you have a five-year plan, and you know we can kind of dive into that. But let's kind of talk about your training and you you know how your training goes, knowing you know uh, about your injury, um, as well as you know it looks like in a general week a month you know or right before a race okay so the 23 week training plan for Ironman Florida I'll walk you through a week okay and then I'm headed back to a 16 week plan for Ironman North Carolina I'll get into that about my future goals so they're all very similar and I will use 80-20 triathlon now that I've done it to a T and it Cross the finish line for me. Um, Monday is rest day when I am Ironman training for a race during those weeks. You don't move the body. You stretch, get sun, and that's it. Okay. Because I, br- I never thought taking a rest day was okay. And my husband told me, who I watched succeed the year before, everything from your hair follicles to your nails to your eyes to your heart to your lungs to your muscles need a rest day. We beat mm-hmm. them up so hard. The other six do not stray from that rest day. You might feel like you are lazy, slob, no good for the day. Fight through it and rest. And I did that to a T. Didn't move on Mondays. Tuesday through Sunday. Two days were a swim. I had to look at my calendar as a mom of, of three. And when my husband was off and when I'm not teaching, I'm a teaching. I teach virtual from home. I'm at my mm-hmm. computer 
five to six hours a day, but it is hit and miss. So I can do a lunch break workout if I have to. Um, so in the morning I would bike or run because the rest of the day is not about me. I'm a mom and a teacher. Mm-hmm. So I was up on my bike outside. I am an outside athlete. You will not find me on our treadmill or our indoor bike unless <laughs> there is a hundred percent downpour, dark out rain, or one of my kids is sick and I must be home. Okay. So I am on my bike and running before my day starts in the morning, but the pool day swims were when it worked, which typically were early evening. I was putting in about 14 hours a week leading up to the race to successfully train for the 140 distance and leading up to the race for a 70. I'm training about 10 to 13 hours a week. Okay. And some of those are bricks. Some of those are fast 45 minute ride and get off and do a fast 5k. So a lot of them were mini duathlons in the day. Okay. So I had a, I have a planner on my desk and anyone that followed me on Instagram saw my training plan each Sunday I would post and I would go through what I couldn't miss in life, being a mom, meetings, dentist appointment, teacher, all that. And then I would build my workouts in backwards because, and I would never let them get in the way of being canceled. So okay. the organization for training has to be huge for me or it won't get done or it gets lost. Right. So I usually have two or three races, sprint triathlons or 5Ks or half marathons in there too, because you have to have a race experience just for the practice of it, the transitions. So I also look at race calendars to make sure I'm getting those in also. Okay. So you said you had a five-year plan and that's something you generally don't hear a lot of athletes talk about. So what's your plan? Well, I just turned 35 and I have officially completed 18 half marathons, a full marathon, four 70.3s, and a 140.6. All that being said, I've taken the last 15 years of that, squished it together, all the knowledge, all the stuff I know what to do and what not to do now, what worked, what didn't, what's a good idea for a race venue, what's a not, equipment, nutrition, training plan, And the biggest thing is I'm purchasing a real triathlon bike. And my goal is to start climbing up in my age group so I can be closer to placing top three. I don't just want to be a finisher anymore. That was the, that was ages 22 to 35. I'm done just finishing. So I think years I'm gonna have two 140.6s next year I'm 2024 is a 140.6 for me this year's a 70 and then I'm gonna give the body a break I'll be 37 and then when I'm 38 I'll do another 140 I'm careful of my knee I'm careful of time with my family children and husband but my goal is with a better bike better focus on what to train and how is to become top 10 in my age group at age 40 in a 140.6. I'm going to go big for the biggest distance they make in triathlon. Okay. Love it. I, I'm a- so I can understand where you're coming from. So it was kind of interesting to, to hear when you said you had a five-year plan. So I'm like, oh, okay. Somebody, somebody plans things out. Yep. <laughs> I feel like everything about me is planned. Well, sort of. Not really. Uh, well, well, nothing wrong with that. 
I'm the type of person, you know, that I put everything on a calendar. Yep. And if I lose my calendar, I'm like, <gasps> you know, yes. I gotta, everything organized, you know. Yep. You know, my my day, things I need to do, you know, you know, my plans, you know, not just, you know, my training plans, my stuff at work, my stuff with personal life, all that's on the calendar. And, yes, you know, sir. That's what kind of, that, that, my sanity a little bit. Absolutely. All right. So let's kind of, well, let me, because I was going to ask anyway. So you're talking about you getting a real triathlon bike. So, you know, what bike are you getting? Right now, I'm 99% sure I am getting a felt. Okay. Um, and it's going to be a nice felt. And I'm working at a triathlon bike shop in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I work there uh, part-time, obviously. Um, like one evening a week and then like Saturday. Um and I've become really good friends with the owner, Mark, who is a Kona qualifier and just my inspiration in the sport. And he loved that I wanted to come work there and learn more. And the people I meet are in the triathlon, running, cycling, Ironman world. And it's just becoming my favorite place to be. Um, he lets me bring my six-year-old with me. So it's just amazing to be together and she's into it. And nice. I'm learning nice. what bike is best for me and what products are best for me. And I think I have my eye on a felt here very soon that I am working and saving towards. Okay. So, and so what's your go-to running shoe? Hoka. I've, I'm looking okay. at four pairs of Hoka on my floor right next to me right now. Hey, Hoka, can't go wrong with Hoka. No, I have a wide foot, so Hoka's it for me. All right. See, see, I, see, I, see Yes. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about, you know, you know, preparing for a race, you know, preparing for training. You know, do you have any go-to um, fuel? when you're training or, or when you're participating in races? So, yes, I uh, was a honey, I'm a honey stinger um, ambassador. I'm sure you're familiar yep. with those products. No, oh, yes, I'm, and... I'm an ambassador as well, so yes. Oh, yay! <laughs> I think I knew that. I knew that. Yes. yes. Um, so, I do not, something about Tia Smith, if you show me goo or gel or anything slimy, I... I gag just looking at it. So me too. Me, me I, too. I, I, I can't watch other people eat them. So I just, I just can't. Sorry. No. <laughs> I watch people slurp down the goo, the gel-like food, and I dry heave seeing it because we're already sweating and thirsty and dry mouth working out. I don't know how anyone does it and. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you'll laugh. My husband and I had peanut butter sandwiches in our um, transition bags at Ironman Florida. And we're big on uh, salt sticks. We use uh, any version of salt because, I mean, we live in North Carolina in the South. It's hot every almost nine months out of the year. So we do a lot of salt intake. Um, and then I had to force myself to eat during anything over 75 minutes. I take about 100 to 200 calories in. Um, but on my six-hour bike rides for Ironman Florida, I was drinking about 16 ounces an hour and eating about one waffle. And I had to do that every hour on the hour. So in a six-hour ride, I was either eating two PB&Js, like half a sandwich every hour, and like two waffles because mm -hmm. no one wants to eat six waffles. That's way too much money. It's like $8 <laughs> worth of waffles. <laughs> So we're very flexible on, listen, name brand stuff is amazing. I mean, it, it, the science is there. The amount mm -hmm. of salt, the amount of electrolytes. I'm not dissing that, but we, were, we work out so long with distance, uh, distance triathlon. It's like, okay, what's in the pantry? Crackers, Ritz crackers, um, popsicles. I mean, it's 100 degrees on some of our bike rides. We're, we're having popsicles when we use the bathroom and stop at home in between our, our hour route. Um, 
but yeah, I've used it all. I, I, I love, you know, I can, I can do a block if I have to, but that's sort of getting gooey too. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have the same. I cannot do it. I've tried and yeah, I've tried different jobs. I just can't do it. Nope. And it's like the people are saying, I'm the same. I, I, for every race, that's my thing that I do is a peanut butter sandwich and I keep yes. the extra one depending on the day. And I, I'll do the, the you know, I'm doing the echoes, the kitty thing and, you know, cut it in squares and stuff, small yes. bite things. <laughs> I, I'll toast it a little bit so, you know, it, it doesn't get mushy that, you know, that I can just kind of grab and, and eat it real quick. Yeah, we see eye to eye. Yes. And I'll I love liquid IV. Yes. And I remember at one race a few years ago, um, I was, you know, I had like the fancy jelly beans and there was another, actually one of the um, elite athletes and he was, just get some, just gummy bears. He said, you don't need all that fancy stuff. He's like, just the apple gummy bears. Yes! Um, check out at Walmart. He's like, that is just as good as those fancy, you know, you know, gummies and stuff that you buy. Yes. When I quote dedicated to racing, you know, yes. Our gummy bears work just as good. Yep. He's right. Um, and, and then my go to what I have to have, um, is a, is body glide because I'm a five oh, foot. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a five foot three Italian, and um, God did not put anything thin or tall in my jeans on my Italian side. <laughs> my dad was five six, mama's five three. Um, so yeah, things rub together. My skin rubs together on my thighs when I run, so I have to have body glide anytime I do more than a 5k. Anybody that does a long bike ride, you will learn after that first long bike ride. Yes. The importance of body guard. Uh, yes. Things change and you feel it in the shower. Yes. Yes. <laughs> this next question is kind of a two-part question. So what is your proudest moment as an athlete? And then the second part of question, worst moment or your biggest mistake as an athlete? My proudest moment was, you know what? Some people would call me crazy for saying this, but it even topped crossing the Ironman finish line at 140.6 at one in the morning in November. It was making it out of the 2.4 mile ocean swim so when i finished okay. the swim of the full iron man in florida jellyfish waves salt water uh, stings fear choking swelling mm -hmm. I, for two hours i fought for my life and that is not an understatement for two hours i fought for my life and it's very different to be on ground fighting for your life when you want to give up and then not having a ground in the ocean when you want to give up. It, it does something else to you. When I got out of that water, there's a picture and a video my brother took of my six-year-old sprinting to me in the sand. Mm -hmm. I held her because I know it sounds silly, but until you experience it, you don't really know, but I didn't know sometimes if I was going to get out of the ocean. I thought, I, I, no one is out there to help you. No one. Right. There's kayak support and jet skis if you're lucky um, and you're close to them. But I thought, I physically feel I'm going to drown right here. Like many times. And you look up and there's nothing but ocean. And it is mm -hmm. surreal. It is surreal. And I thought for a year I was going to be scared of sharks. That's what everyone's fear is. No, when I got in that water, you're scared you're not going to 
you're going to drown from the waves and the salt water and getting stung and jellyfish on your hands and not being able to get to help. It's like the shark is now the last thing you care about. Right. Right. So there's that answer. What did I do that I knew I messed up on? All four 70.3s over a span of five years, I never trained to the plan. I thought I knew better. And my finisher time shows that. I thought, nah, I'll do six miles instead of nine. Oh, I don't need to swim this week. I can do it next. I don't need a rest day. I'm going to go for a run. Just thinking I knew more or not having the focus and the grit 100%. Take it from someone who is a four-time failure of the 70.3 and then goes to finish double the distance as a solid finisher. You have to have your heart into the training plan. Someone like me. I know there's some people that can go out there and finish the distance, but if you're like me and every workout is hard and life is busy and life is overwhelming, but you have goals, you have to put them first. I am a better wife, mom, friend, employee because I put myself and my training first. Right. And again, I, I always say, as long as you cross that finish line, you're not a failure. You cross that finish line. Like I said, like I said earlier, like I said, I did not realize that they had that cutoff time that, you know, you still finish, you know, you quote unquote an official finisher. You finish, yes. but you're not an official finisher. Right. So I, I still as, you know, you cross the finish line. You know, so you've done, you've done. Yes, you are right. So, so if you could go back in time and tell your younger self something, you know, based on what you know now as an athlete, what would it be? Dream big earlier. Okay. At 33, I decided to dream big and say, I'm going to do a full Ironman. Only 0.01% of the planet completes a 140.6.01. Mm -hmm. Out of that 0 0.01, 0.008 are women. Yep, that's correct. Yeah, that's correct. I knew it. If I would have been doing this in my 20s, if I thought I could do, if I believed in myself a little more. And it's probably one of the reasons until I fully said I will do this, I didn't finish those official cutoff times when I did. Okay. What is a non- athletic fact about you that most people don't know like a particular hobby or something that you love. well a fun fact is i was on deal or no deal with howie mandel when i was 19 that's a random fun fact oh okay Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> he's he still won't remember me i was in his e true hollywood story of being the goofiest one he met <laughs> Interesting. See, now I'm going to be trying to go on YouTube and stuff. <laughs> it was my maiden name, Lampone. My maiden name is Lampone. But anyway, um, honestly, in my non-training time, I take my children to do, and we are outside and my six-year-old just rock climbed for the first time three weeks oh, ago. And oh. we are living life big to the best we can. Life is so short. You're talking to someone who oh, yeah. lives big, young, because I know 
what death, what, what end of life does. Right. And it's quick. Right. Yes. Yes. So we, we try to live big. We go, we travel, we see, we do. We might not have the best landscaping around or the nicest, newest cars, but boy, do we laugh, travel, and have fun as a family and experience. And that's what's important. Yes. That, that is what is so important. Yes. All right. What's next for you? What are you getting ready for this year in 2023? Uh, I just became a, an ambassador for the Charlotte Marathon, and I cannot wait. So there's six races that lead up to the, or five races that lead up to the Charlotte Marathon in November, and I'm an ambassador. So I'm going to help motivate people in Charlotte, my hometown to do that. So right now I, I'm actually five weeks out from the Asheville Marathon. Um, That's exciting because my stepdaughter, um, Jillian has run uh, uh, eight half marathons and this is going to be her first marathon. So my husband, my stepdaughter, who's 23 and myself are running the Asheville marathon in March. And then just train, swim, bike, run. I, Eric, every week I, I stay trained for what I say is an international distance. Mm-hmm. So it's less than a 70. But I'm swimming, biking, and running almost every day, all the time to stay trained. And then my big, big race is the 70.3 Ironman North Carolina in October. I'll start heavily training for that in June. And then three weeks after that is uh, Charlotte Marathon weekend. So I have a year of lighter stuff compared to last year's 140. But that's all because I'm gearing up to training better, smarter, faster for a full next year. And the location is either Ironman Arizona or Ironman Chattanooga 2024. Um, Awesome. All right, before I let you go, do you have any last words you want to share with the listeners out there? Ironman has the phrase, anything is possible. That's their trademarked phrase. And... It is the truest thing in my life. If you would have told me two years ago, I would have been the 34-year-old mom who did a full Ironman and finished successfully with plenty of time, I would have laughed. But when you believe that you can do anything, it becomes reality. Yes, I totally agree. And I think a lot of times people need to kind of hear that. And going back to getting your power from people, it's good if you, when you hear that from someone close to you. Yes. Well, Tia, I appreciate you talking to me and sharing your story today. You know, this was a great conversation. Well, I thank you for having me. So if anybody wants to follow your story or get in contact with you, how can they do so? So my Instagram, well, I'm very open. People can text me, call me, but my Instagram is where I share my entire fitness life. And that is Tia, T-I-A, and then Smith. So Tia Smith underscore try t-r-i tia smith underscore try and i am very open it's my instagram family and it's all positive of i keep it positive of my athletic journey yes you do and tia again thank you i really appreciate this conversation and talking today You are so welcome, and I look forward to continuing to follow you and maybe meet you one day. We will definitely have to meet. All right, well, thank you again, and have a wonderful day. All right. All right, bye-bye. Bye.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the No Gimmicks Just Sweat podcast. We really appreciate everyone who tunes in each week. If you enjoyed today's show, please support us by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember to tell your friends about the No Gimmicks Just Sweat podcast so we can continue to have awesome conversations with everyday athletes just like you. Until next time, have an amazing week.